infrastructure is crumbling and the problems are only getting worse. The pressure to find solutions is hot. Let's talk about why American cities have no water, no electricity, and no money to fix their infrastructure problems. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast, hosted by Chad Smelter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat. This is episode nine. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're enjoying the content. This week, we talked to Sean O'Dell, who is the vice president at Baxter and Woodman Engineering Firm located in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Sean has over 20 years of experience in water and wastewater. Uh, he brings a lot of engineering background. His family has a history in engineering. And uh, we talk about procurement, life cycles of, of infrastructure, some of the problems that are, you know, driving the uh, the failure or crumbling of infrastructure. And uh, I think at some point in time, we even talk about our wives. So uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as follow us on LinkedIn to keep getting updated information. Thank you. Have a great day. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. My name is Chad Smeltzer. I am your host. Today's guest is Sean O'Dell with Baxter and Woodman. Thank you for joining me, Sean. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This yeah. is great. Thank you, Chad. This is, this is really exciting because we're all formal now. We're I know. Look at this. It's an like actual a... production thing going on. So uh, one thing we, we like to learn in the podcast is uh, about you. Why did you want to be an engineer? Nice. No, good stuff. No idea. Thanks again for having me chat. I really <laughs> do appreciate it. But uh, no, I come from a long lot of engineers. So my great grandfather was the civil engineer for Detroit. My great, my grandfather was a VP Viz engineering firm. Most of my uncles are engineers. And we're also lake water people. So, you know, I was a math and science kid, liked swimming, That's awesome. math and science. So it all just kind of came together to be a water engineer. So here I am. So I was kind of meant to play this role. Wow. So you have like a whole family history of being an engineer. That's amazing. Love it. Yeah, and where did your family grow up? Where did you grow up? In Chicago? Uh, I'm from the Chicagoland area. Um, most of my father's side is from Chicago, but then all the engineers, they're all from Michigan. So Really? So yeah, surrounded by the Great Lakes and really just clean water, clean air. That's, that's just cool. a really, really important thing to us. Yeah, so. that's really neat. So who did you look up to the most in your family? Yeah, that was definitely my grandfather. Okay. So my grandfather, he was a mechanical engineer. Nice. He was definitely like the patriarch of, of the family. And uh, he ended up being a vice president of his, uh, of his engineering firm back in the day. Ended up being the national president of his like uh, famed organization. So there's a lot of like parallels to where I'm looking to go that I'm following in, in uh, my grandpa's cool. footsteps. So. And now your son is also... I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping. So, like, I'm sure we'll get into like workforce development and bring up the next generation. And he's nine, and I'm really <laughs> not pushing, but um, yeah, kind of setting him up. Like, he's dad I, likes I what tell. he does. Dad's good at what he does. He's making the world a better place, and yeah, you'll live comfortably. So, so fingers crossed. Well, I've seen some of your social media, and I, I it definitely looks like you're heading and pushing him in that direction, which is a good place yeah. to be. Could be nice. um, obviously, there's, uh, you know, kind of jumping into a little bit about uh, labor shortages yeah. uh, in this day and age. Uh, how are uh, you uh, and Baxter Woodman handling labor shortages with, you know, yeah. engineers right now? Yeah. So we've just seen over the, I've now been around for about 20 years, all working for Baxter Woodman, just a, a great firm. And yeah. we really take care of people. That's really the, the key. So just hiring good people taking care of them and hopefully they stick around for 40 to 50 years, which a lot of our people do. It's right. kind of fun, funny to even think about it. But right. um, so during those kind of down periods where if you think about like the ARA of like 2008, where there was not a lot of work, 
Um, there's just there's some funding coming through, but there were some years there where you didn't hire a lot of people. Right. And now we're like having issues because we're we're missing those 10 year PMs and we're all looking for this perfect unicorn 10 year PM, but they're just not out there because we right. hired them 10 years ago. Right. So our key thing is we've really started to become a learning organization. So just hiring a lot of venture level folks. So hiring the right character people, the right mindset people, and then train them in the way that we'd like them to be trained. So, right. so having a lot of young folks. And I think just when I started, I know I was obviously I was the young gun at 22 and a lot of folks here were in their fifties and sixties, but now our company is going a lot, screwing a lot younger, which is another reason why we have to really embrace technology. Cause I think if you fast forward another 20 years, I think there will be even less people in the space. Right. Just looking at the actual like population numbers, less people, but that's where technology comes in. So having tools right. that actually, we're used to have a department of 10, maybe in 20 years, we only have eight people in the department, but right. with technology, they can act like they're 16, you know, things right. like that. Right. So, now yeah. going back to what you just said, you're, yeah. you're a 20 year old gung ho. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was one of your most disappointing moments as an engineer? Disappointing moments. That's a really good question. That's a good question. <laughs> I told you. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. So my, my big one was in, in, in every, um, probably a professional person goes through this, but sure. I was probably about four years in. I've, I've officially thought that I could have it all figured out. You know, like I knew how to do that. I knew how to do this. And right. like a client called me and then I, I, I started like spitballing what I, what I actually thought. So my opinion on something. Right. I then later got called by the big boss saying, no, that's not how we do things. That's not what, like you almost got us fired from this client. Right. So I realized, oh, I have to listen more than I talk. Ah, um, it's yeah. So that's one thing we're really trying to preach to our our younger staff. And we've got a lot of them, and they're doing great. Um, yeah. But just it's more about listening. Yeah. So like at a client meeting, and each village is different. And you know, now you notice this on the water and sewer side, but yeah, you, they all think that their one way of doing water main and sewer is is the right way, but. 40 others do it some difference. So it's right. all about listening. And they will say two things in that meeting that you really have to hear and listen and understand and then, then make sure that happens. So yeah. it's more about listening than talking. You're 100% right. Listening yeah. is one of the things we all have to learn. I had to, as a salesperson, yeah. is, you know, thought the same thing. I'm, yeah, I know it all. Figured it all out. Well, I wasn't listening to anybody. And yeah. eventually someone came to me and said, Chad, you're not listening. And mm -hmm. I thought about it and then took me back. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm not yeah. listening at all. So... Yeah. Good point. Uh, listening is a, a big obstacle. We all have to learn to adjust to. Um, so as you're this 20-year-old gung-ho, were you working at Baxter at the time? Yeah, so I came here right okay. out of college. Right I, got, of college. I got real lucky. Okay, yeah. so you got real lucky. You're straight out of college. You're working at Baxter. Um, you have pivoted your role. Obviously, you're a VP yeah. now yeah. with the company. But back then, you, you, were you doing business business management like I know you do a little bit yeah. of uh you know business development and stuff like that as were you involved in that back then or just engineering you know that all clicked shortly thereafter that 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 challenging time so around around year five or six you know you get your professional engineering license and you feel feel all important right and then you start becoming a project manager different projects and yeah. then as you're doing that you're more of the face of the company at client events at client meetings right at public events and as we did that my boss is always, oh, this person can somewhat talk like a normal human being, not like a typical engineer. And they can kind of relate. Got it. Uh, and they have more of the social skills, like the soft skills. Right. That, um, again, engineers, we're great at what we do, but sometimes we're lacking in that size. So they, they, they saw that in me. And then there's an opening at an APWA exec uh, level. And the client's like, hey, 
Sean be great. So I just started doing that and just making more friends, more right. friends. Um, and then just every year, again, so going from project manager to assistant department manager to department manager to group leader to vice president to now being on the board of directors. So just every couple of years amazing. doing the next things. And it really comes down, I've done a lot of hard work, but an amazing staff. Yeah. Like there's like 60 people that are helping me out on a daily basis doing wonderful things. Right. And, and they're, 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 their time's coming now too, because as we grow, they grow too. Right. So, no, it's super important yeah. to have a team surrounding you while you yeah. grow with the company uh, and, and staying with them as long as you have. That's, a, yeah. that's amazing. And to be able to have the social skills that you have uh, is, is really good. And it is hard to find that. Yeah. So I can see why you're so valuable to Baxter yeah. and Woodman. Now, um, when you're working with cities, uh, what are some of the big challenges cities are facing that, that, that start from back when you were 20 to now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just very broadly, the thing that I see daily is is just the whole reactivity, a reactive side to proactive side. Mm. So, a lot of our utilities are still on the reactive side. So, water main breaks, or leak, or I and I, or a basin backup, or this, or I've got some money. Let's figure out what to do. It's just very reactive. Yeah. And or there's a new a new requirement for lead water services, whatever it is, mm-hmm. very reactive. But you can tell they're all leaders, just mm-hmm. like we are here, and they want to be more proactive. Right. So a lot of that comes down to whether they have enough staff, they have the right technology, they have the right uh, funding base. So, so trying our best to kind of get the right plans in place, the right condition assessment, the right priorities. Because when you're reactive, it's just, I, I've got a million dollars, I'll just replace that water main. There's no thing of like, is that the right water main to replace? Is that the highest priority? <laughs> or is it just because there's two breaks there last week? Right. So going from reactive to proactive, which we're trying to do a better job of with not only with, with our planning and our software, right. um, but also like having, having our, our expertise. Like as you're around for 20 years, you get a good feel for what, what the next most important. So, so basically, uh, from what you're telling yeah. me, is it, it really hasn't changed much. <laughs> and we're still reactive, but we're yeah. also trying to implement yeah. technology now to mm-hmm. be able to help yeah. cities make better decisions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's more or less where yeah. we're at. We're still reactive, but we're starting to get smarter get better. And, and technology is going to lead yeah. us the way. What has Baxter Woodman been doing with uh, improving their offering to government entities? Yeah. Um, our, our big thing, just to give you a real broad about sure. our company, which I think helps to illustrate this, yeah. is um, we don't like making decisions in a vacuum, Okay. which I did for the first couple of years. I'm a water engineer. Okay. There's yeah. a water main. Yeah. Let's design the water main from here to there. But you don't think of, well, should I look at the sanitary sewer and this, how are the services connected? And right. actually the sidewalk's junk. And these trees need, like, in, if you think about holistically, which the longer you can take a step back, right. that's when you really start to see really like holistic uh, community changes. Right. So we do that. And in our firm, we've not only had, like, we've got three major sectors, but water is our bread and butter. That's what we got founded on 76 years ago. Yeah. A water and sewer. But then transpo and roadways and, and complete streets, that's another big, really big aspect. But the third, which is, it brings all together is technologies. So whether it's SCADA, or drones, or bathymetric surveys, right. or, or GIS, um, or just data management. Bringing those all three together, you can make better decisions. Right. So we're doing more and more, not just a water master plan, but we're doing a capital plan. Love it. So that really helps you really prioritize. When you go to the board and you say, I want 20 million for water, they're like, well, what about sewer? Like, well, this is just the water master plan. It's like, well, I need to know all these things. Is it 20 for water and 20 for sewer? Exactly. And so holistic planning, 
that gets everyone on the same page, then you start chipping away on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, you're 100% right because water distribution, obviously it goes into a facility and then it all has to come out of the facility. It all yeah. connects. It's yeah. a unified process, so to speak there. Uh, so uh, taking a little bit of a back step, yeah. 75 years, you mentioned yeah. Baxter's started in the water distribution uh, as an engineer there mm-hmm. in, that, in that space. How did this company progress? Uh, obviously, you started young, mm-hmm. uh, but who were the founders and like how did the Baxter Wood become as big as they are now? Yeah. Yeah. So Baxter were roughly two, two fine individuals that after World War II, they kind of took a look at the, 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 the space and they're like, well, there's a need for some, 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 some work here. Yeah. Um, and they end up, those two gentlemen that just keep on growing. And it really was a, a, a personal based firm. Okay. So when, when you uh, start a firm, wanted to make the world a better place and clean water, right? Like that, like, you, you know, those, those two folks really care. Yeah. So, so both Baxter women just set up a really nice company that I think for a while there, we had designed the most wastewater treatment plants in the state for oh, a while wow. there. Okay. And just, Oh, this village um, is growing. Let's do a complete sanitary sewer system mm-hmm. and then just keep on growing, growing the overall sewage and, and water infrastructure over, over, over the state. Right. And then during like the clean water acts, when all that funding came through, right. um, our firm was there ready, able to help. So, so installing a lot of those sewers. But the fun thing is now is, as we all know, it's, that is job security too, because you don't just install a, a sewer and then it's there for 200 years. <laughs> right. Which I think most of our, <laughs> our, 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 our villages think, not villages, but like a lot of our customers think. It's right. like, no, that water main may last 50, maybe 100. Um, and and the, the more often that we actually touch things, then they last even less. So anyway, a lot of things there with regards to infrastructure and just yeah. kind of really built over time. Um, and there's, it was all about just hiring good people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of our things, which I know you and I have a nice uh, working relationship. Like it's, yeah. it's that type of thing, which we hire really good people. We had really good clients and just over time we've kept that relationship going. So like I've worked for some of the same clients for over 20 years that I've That's been awesome. here. Yeah. So like we, I, the fun thing is I'm not here long enough where I'm starting to replace things that I replaced in my first year of employment. So yeah, it's kind of, I'm getting old Chad. Ah, no, you're not. You're just getting wiser. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Right? We're both supposed to be getting wiser. That's, that's why we're getting gray hair. Well, yeah, it's coming. Uh, I know. Yeah, I know. I or lose. Yeah. yeah, yeah, going. yeah. yeah, we, yeah. We're not going to talk about that, but, uh, so, Cities are reactive still. Yeah. They're moving into technology. They're hoping to get smarter. Yeah. We have all this infrastructure money coming in now yeah. uh, in place, kind of like what you just mentioned back uh, back when water, you yeah. know, with Baxter yeah. Woodman as they were growing and mm-hmm. the funding came through. Mm-hmm. How's infrastructure money helping you guys now or helping cities, I should say, um, fix infrastructure? Yeah. Uh, first off, I know speaking for us as an engineer, I know the suppliers, contractors, and the villages all are very thankful for the money that that's getting uh, passed down. Sure, but the the challenge is is expectations mm-hmm. um, and needs. So say say you you got a million dollars, and then now like oh I've got a million dollars to spend. Right. First off, where am I going to spend it? Because most people have twenty to forty million dollars worth of needs. Right. But then they finally f- figure out the one that's the most immediate need. Yeah. And then now with inflation and just the, the, the way the wonderful the world is today is that million dollar project now cost 1.5. Mm. So, but I've only got a million. Right. So now I've, I got to shrink my project from like a mile of water main to like three quarters of a mile. Right. 
And some villages don't want to do that because like, oh, I want to do a mile. It's like, well, we've only got to, yeah. Right. So, so not to mention that, plus the fact that there's still the same amount of contractors out there. Right. And if everyone is building more and more every year, there's more and more funding, there's not enough people to build it. Ah, so, good point. So, so, and not to mention the actual uh, supply chain issue from whether it's mm-hmm. ductile iron pipe or, you know, we had like the aggregate um, strike this year, like all these different small things like the cement issues. So um, oh, yeah. there's always these little things that kind of, kind of hurt that. So um, there is money there, yeah. um, but there's just not enough support. There's so many different levels and there's not the support all the way through that chain. Yeah. No, that makes yeah. a, that, that, that's huge of what's happening yeah. after COVID now. Uh, obviously yeah. contractor shortages, labor shortages, things like that. Yeah. Uh, one thing that uh, I wanted to talk about is you mentioned it in what we were just you know discussing is life cycles of mm-hmm. infrastructure and you know kind of goes in play with the contractors yeah you know we we come out with these you know products services solutions whatever uh let's say materials right yeah. these materials are supposed to last 50 to 100 years mm-hmm. um but what is your feeling on life cycles can we really say that some of these materials will last 50 to 100 years um Depends. Okay. Um, I, th- that is one challenge, which I know we all, whether you're at home and talk about how this refrigerator used to, the last one <laughs> lasted for 20 years and this one lasted for seven. Yeah. Or like the last car got through like five accidents and this one, like one small accident, it's totaled. Right. It's like there are, is different type of engineering, different type of materials, different types of supplies today. Correct. And there is definitely a planned obsolescence side of it. Ooh, like which, 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 is, nice which is, which is unfortunate. Like we're seeing it like for water meters. Where, yeah. You know, I, I know you talked to Mike Simpson from, from any Simpson, but yeah, like water meters don't last for 50 years. Right. Um, and especially if there's a battery, you know, it's, it's, they'll have to get in there mm-hmm. and replace it. So things will last longer. And that's one thing that I know you and I both have a passion for, which say you've got a hundred miles of pipe and it's all the same age is if you have to find a way to actually really assess that pipe and know when you can rehabilitate it before it goes to need to be replaced. Mm-hmm. If you know that level, and then taking care of that rehabilitation and then improve it and then yeah. re- and then it loses condition and then improve it. Yeah. Doing that cycle, kind of, kind of like what we do for roadways, right? right? With, with, uh, if you actually um, do the, the grind and overlay at the right Some time. asset financial planning. Yeah. 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 So doing that type of work versus letting it go to go to full replacement. And that's really expensive. And right. that's even, getting even more expensive. So really good planning of assessment prioritization and then rehabbing before you got to replace it. So maybe it only lasts 50 years, but if you rehab it at the right price at year 20, then it lasts another 50. So yeah, yeah, those things. Love it. Yeah, Yeah. no, it makes a lot of sense. What's your, um, just talking about contractors, right? And you know, we're, we're in a shortage of contractors. We're in a labor shortage of contractors. We're talking about life cycle of infrastructure. How are we able to guarantee that what we're putting in today with, such a need for contractors to do the work that we're going to get quality workmanship out there. What do you, what is your opinion on that? Yeah. So I, I'm actually pretty thankful. I think a lot of our clients understand it, Okay. which it was kind of hard back in the heyday when they're just throwing pipe in the ground is really having someone looking at it. Right. So if there is, whether it's a village employee or an engineer or someone you trust, making sure that's the right type of pipe, that's the right type of backfill, they're compacting it correctly, they're backfilling correctly, they're doing the right connections. Right. Someone watching it with, with the spec in hand, that's the really the, the right way of, of knowing that you get the best possible product. Right. Is it perfect? No, but for years, for decades, 
that was not happening. And now we're seeing the issue with pipe that's been in the ground for 30, 30 years that's that's failing. Right. So having that that eye is really important. Um, but but also on, on that topic is one thing. So I'm also on the APWA National Board of Directors. And our big thing nationally is advocating for workforce development. So um, I don't know the full story because I was kind of young back in the day. But I know <laughs> I know decades ago, there was a, a really big push for everyone's got to go to college. Yeah. Everyone's going to college. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe the dad was a plumber. And like maybe maybe his kids could have been really good plumbers. And, and yep. you could have them in the workforce. And they have really good pay and, and benefits right now, but they all went to college and now they're doing something different. So our big push right now is trying to get folks early to saying, we need people in the trades. We need people doing all those, those, those hard jobs, yeah. you know? So trying to really push that side of it. Not everyone has to be an engineer. Not everyone has to go to college. Right. There is a lot of really important things that are out there. So we're a little behind, but we're really working towards that to have more of those contractors in the next 10 to 20 years. Be sure that we've got that actual workforce to improve our well, systems. That, yeah. So interesting segue into yeah. college yeah. and uh, engineers coming out of college yes. with their degree. Yeah. And, you know, you get that contractor who's been doing the work for 40 years, oh, yeah. 50 years, 100 years. And you've got a mm-hmm. young, ambitious never engineer that comes about? out of that knows college everything, right? super book smart, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah. How do you handle those type of things? Because I personally, I feel yeah. that engineers should actually go out in the field and, oh, and yeah. do work mm-hmm. in the field yeah. to learn more of the hands-on experience mm-hmm. that a lot of contractors get that yeah. engineers don't get. So yeah. how do you think you, you bridge that gap, so nice. to speak? Nice. We're, we're getting a lot better at that. So I know when I was a young engineer, I was out in at least a handful of construction projects. Okay. Just knowing that I'm not drawing just a line on paper, like that line is actually... This foot wide, and there's things crossing that, and, right. and yeah, all those different things. So, and we're also with our younger engineers trying to get them out on at least a couple of projects. It's not perfect, but just seeing how an actual like tank gets built, yeah. and how an it's actual water main gets replaced, and how are the tree roots affected, and how does the service actually look? And like, oh, that's where the service is. Yeah. Like, I, I never do that in the plans. It's like, yeah, there's all these things there that you don't know. So, getting that that construction experience is, is really really important, but also. Gosh, we're pushing this so hard right now um, from our CEO down down to our project managers. Mm-hmm. But it comes back to relationships again. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm a designer and I'm year three, I've hopefully I've got someone here, the office engineer that's been around to know, okay, that's not how we do things. That's not how the contractor's going to build it. Here's what you do. Okay. But that's not always the case. Or um, maybe that is the case, but there's a contractor that has a better way of doing it. Right. So our big thing, which I've appreciated, like our relationship over the years, is having relationships with actual contractors. Right. And again, it's not doing anything with actual bidding. It's just more like, hey, so you take a look at these plans and just see if I'm off base. Like, oh, that's that's not how we do things. We actually do it like this, and you yeah. can actually engineer things with that in mind. But that also gets back to why our firm is doing more and more design build right now because we realize the importance of having those smart, experienced contractors. They know a lot more things than we do. We've Got our book smarts. We've got our <laughs> things we learned in school, but like they've been actually building stuff for forty years. So right. you bring us together. That's when things really take off. So more and more that design build, which yeah. which also gives the the village or the, the the end user a higher quality product. So interesting. You brought up bidding, and uh, obviously you yeah. have to, as an engineering firm, you have to work with contractors, and you have to find the most qualified contractors to build these water plants, treatment, you know, wastewater yeah. treatment plants, things like that. Um, you know, how do you uh, feel about 
you know, when you're working and, and, you know, you have that communication where you need their advice and you know, experience on building projects, how does that work when a contractor doesn't actually win the bid after you actually publicize it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's, that, that can be tough. But the nice yeah. thing is, is um, I know you and I have the same mindset, but there's, there, there, there's a long game at hand. Yeah. So like winning this project or building that relationship where there's a better long-term end sure. insight like that, that that's usually like the, the, the bigger aspect. So it's just all about just kind of working together, just, but also being very clear. Like there's, there's no expectations when you talk to a contractor before there's none right. of that, you know, right. it's a low bit process, right. You know, that's just kind of the way it works. So, um, but having those relationships really go a long way and, and, and educate us and educate them. Right. And, and it's their time. That's kind yeah. of the way I look at yeah. it as a contractor side of the yeah. point of view. You know, you look yeah. at their time and their commitment mm-hmm. and hopefully they want to win that. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there's different ways of executing procurement. But uh, I guess my question is to you is how do you fix procurement? Because on both sides, it, it's very tough mm-hmm. as a contractor to actually want to bid a good price and provide very good value. But procurement, you just never know. Mm-hmm. How, is yeah. there ways that we can fix procurement yeah. with government? Yeah, there's. Um, I know we've talked about this over the years, but yeah, there's definitely some ways to do it. And I think it's with different software packages. Yeah. Um, and just bringing in. Um, I know you agree with this, but there's so much data out there. Yeah. And when you just have a PDF of the plans, a PDF of the specs, and then email that to the contractor, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so I'm. And I'm making sure my bid looks good based on this limited information. Right. But literally, there's all this inspection data and all these other things behind it that we have in different GIS right. areas where if we were able to actually share that easier with them, right. that would really make their life easier. They could have a better bid because of it. So right. having a, a better a better location for having more, inf- more data for us as the engineer, for them as the contractor, for us to actually talk about those things and make sure the best possible bid comes. I, th- I think some kind of platform like that would be real helpful. Yeah. And obviously communication is like yeah. the whole point yeah. of this is, yeah. uh, you know, with my experience uh, working with subcontractors and working with GCs, it's communication was always the, the struggle because you're trying to get quotes back and forth and you're trying to put on the, on the contractor side together of, of wanting to respond to your bid that you publish. But there's a lot of uh, the other stuff that people don't know about on the contractor side they have to deal with too is, and it becomes time consuming on their end. It's now, high, yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously, how do you think cities are handling their budgets now? I, you mentioned earlier is like they want to do a mile of water main replacement, but they can only do three quarters of a mile. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, how do you help government yeah, yeah. and their budget shortfalls? Yeah. yeah. So that that's been a really big growing sector of, of our firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably kicked in about 20, uh, 15, 20 years ago, but doing rate studies okay. villages. So you take a really solid capital plan where you know the big projects for the next five, 10, 15 years. Yep. You take a look at their rates and their operation expenses and and, and debt service and all those fun things, all the, all, all the money side, and then just come up with like, what should the rates be for water service? What right. should the rates be for sewer service? And what types of IEP loans can we get to kind of offset some of those big projects in those big years? Yeah. And actually having a rate structure that makes sense in the long term. And then once you get that going in the right direction and you see regular but modest rate increases, you can start to do a little bit more and then do a little bit more. And once you start getting momentum, that's when things really start to click. So we've seen that in a lot of communities, like 
like mm-hmm. Village of Westmont, where they've been replacing water mains for 20 years and their water loss is like plummeted because oh, wow. you nice. start replacing mains every year and like, oh, you see the benefit. You see the benefit, just like like working out or eating healthy. Like it takes some time, That's but point. You, you, the first couple iterations, you don't see it, but then like, oh, I got some momentum and they'll start to see that. So doing really good rate studies, getting the right rates okay. and then going in the right direction. The challenge is, um, and I, I totally get where elected officials come from because you want to get reelected and a right. 15% increase, like no one looks good for that, but maybe that's needed. So we really takes, it takes a really strong elected official backing um, right. and, and a long-term long mindset. Like what's the best, best thing for my village, right? Is it for me to get reelected or is it for the water and sewer system to be as good as possible? So I know it's kind of a hard thing and there's a lot of different uh, it's conflicting. There's yeah. a lot, it's, it's tricky. It's, it's tricky. Is. Yeah. yeah. So it's very tricky because yeah. you have constituents that don't want to have their taxes raised. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, I asked my wife about this too. Uh, and I asked her, I said, if you knew how much it would actually cost to fix the infrastructure, would you be okay with a tax increase? And she mm-hmm. was like, yeah, as long as mm-hmm. I understand mm-hmm. it and I know mm-hmm. what they're spending the money on. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, why isn't all government doing yeah. that, you mm-hmm. know, publicize, like be more transparent and open with actually the condition of their infrastructure yeah. and what it's going to take to actually fix it. And, you know, sounds like rate yeah. studies are the, are the way to do it, yeah. but also data, you know, yeah. you talked about that, yeah. like showing the data yeah. and stuff. Do you think government would be more open to be more transparent with actually what their condition of their infrastructure is like? Yes. And they are. So we okay. actually have a, a we're really lucky. We've got a really great visualization department here at Bexerwoman. And they're doing some really great, fun videos, visuals that they can put on the, on the village website to okay. show what, what's happening and, and just make it actually, versus having like a 20-page PDF of like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> like, no one's going to read that right. stuff. But right. if there's a two-minute video that's very visually appealing, oh, we're doing this and we're doing this and here's why, right. like that actually pulls people in. So. So doing more and more of those types of outreach things really help. Yeah. Um, and we're doing that at the APWE level as well. It really has to be, how do you tell the story? It's, it's really telling the story and, and showing the reason why. So, um, and yeah. most of us engineers are really bad at it. We're just like, no, there's a problem, let's fix it. So right. having some folks that do, a really, uh, do that really help us and help them get that funding. What do you think about smart cities? The whole initiative of smart cities, I, you know, back yeah. like, 10 years ago, they were talking about smart cities. What's your opinion? Yeah. Smart yeah. Cities these days? I, I love the direction it's going. Um, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, whether well, it was 10 years ago, everything was green this and green that and sustainability right. and smart cities. And then, but the one thing I've noticed is that is only there as long as there's money there. Right. So like when times get tough or when like... I've actually talked talk to my wife who's, who's in the space as well and yeah. like the water planning side. And a lot of times we both get frustrated with why aren't villages doing this? Why aren't they doing this? All these big picture, long-term things. And it's right. because they're still in this reactive space right here. It's like if, if there's a constant five problems when you get to the office, yeah. I can't think about here because I'm still right here. So, so my, my big thing is if we get people out of reactive into proactive, that's when the smart city stuff really takes off. Yeah. But I will say, like the actual technology with regards to um, whether it's um, uh, flow metering or or, um, or leak leak testing, mm-hmm. um, or all these different things. There's a lot of new technology out there that's really helping to make that a lot more affordable. So, yeah. and as the um, the workforce and the the people in charge are getting more and more young and yeah. like are used to video games and having like cool <laughs> little gadgets, right. like there's there's gonna be a bigger need for that. And also we're having a lot of really smart people that are coming to management positions. Oh, yeah. So 
So with all this, I, I think it's a matter of time because like we're seeing this where yeah. people were like combined sewage overflow areas and doing smart metering mm -hmm. to like cut that down. You can like do all these different things, which we've talked about. So right. um, it's, it's there, the price is coming down. So right. another reason to be really optimistic about the future. Yeah, yeah. no, you're, you're, you're right. I, I just uh, always wondered about smart cities and it yeah. kind of goes in spurts, you know, it's yeah. like, Hey, smart cities. And then it, <laughs> when it fizzles out a little bit mm -hmm. and then it comes back around. Yeah. So uh, economic sustainability yeah. is obviously one of the, you know, with budgets and everything that you and I were just talking mm -hmm. about, economic sustainability is very, very difficult for a lot of, of cities. You know, their mm -hmm. businesses are their tax base. Mm -hmm. How do you think cities could help increase their tax base? Gosh, that's a that's a that's probably above my 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 uh, pay pay grade. I um, wondered if yeah, you had any yeah. uh, thoughts on that. Yeah, the, the one the one thing I I, I know of. In, you feel free to laugh, but the older yeah. I get, the more I go back to like old things yeah. where it's like, just like be on time, show yeah. your work. Yeah. But like the other thing, you probably remember like playing like, like a uh, SimCity. You oh, all the time. Game? I love SimCity. Yeah. What was the key to have a, a, a thriving community? If there was no water main, like, like the city would have just like, it's faster. Yeah. You're... So it's all about having really solid infrastructure. So, so whether, whether, no matter where you're at, there's good water sewer system. Yeah. Nice yeah. roadways. It's just a really likable, inviting place. Like that's when things take off. Business and, will and, come. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're right. So the villages that are that are ahead of those things, like, well, if I, up, if I do this roadway and this all the system, like they will come. Like if you build, they will come. Like yeah. that's legit for infrastructure too. That's so, a great so, example, by yeah, the way. Yeah. So, so, so that Perfect. really works. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that government officials should play SimCity. Yes. And start to Let's learn how to build infrastructure. Yeah. No, I'm just but. Yeah. Uh, so no, this is really good uh, information as far yeah. as uh, what we could do. What technologies have you seen over the past couple of years, uh, you know, post COVID now, mm -hmm. uh, that are really looking positive to make changes in infrastructure? Nice. Well, it makes you really interested to see what what the, this bitcurement stuff comes comes to <laughs> well, the fruition. Yeah, because yeah, having man. some kind of centralized system for all this data in a marketplace just makes a lot of sense. Right. But if there's one thing, I was always I shouldn't say concerned about, but but interested in yeah. was obviously like the Uberization of like engineering and and, and yeah. all that stuff. And just like how do we do things quicker, faster, sharing? So right. going that direction is going to make a lot of sense. So I think that'll actually help the industry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a lot of like um, yeah, whether it's sewer sensors, water sensors, updated water meters. Yeah. There's a lot of cool things in that water space with regards to just having sensors and new, new information. And you can have the stuff at your fingertips. Yeah. So you you piggyback that with SCADA, with 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 your economic development, yep. with your 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 billing. You sort of have this in like one spot. You can really make better decisions and color code it. Like that's that's really important. So uh, yeah. Hey, thank you so much for yeah. the big chairman. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's yeah, great. It's, it's definitely needed. It's yeah. for sure. We need to be able to provide uh, solutions and marketplace decentralized location for data yeah. and and make procurement easier and. Yeah. Thanks for throwing it out there. It's going to be fun. Uh, so as we get closer to the end here, what are some of the struggles that you as an engineering firm dealt with in, during COVID? Yeah, we definitely had the, the, the interest, uh, interesting part of, of how do we work remotely. So we, we kind of learned through oh, that. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, most of our new folks come in with laptops. Mm -hmm. um, so thankfully, people just had to go home for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, like like they, they, that. That kind of worked out. But yeah, uh, we were very thankful. We we had really um, uh, this was before I was on the board, but our board were very early and had a really nice, flexible hybrid policy. 
of, of making sure that people were in the office enough because you and I both know like talking to people like hey while I see you how about this and like having those connections those conversations go a long way yeah and mm-hmm. if you care but also being at home a couple of days a week is not the end of the world right especially for a person that that can just get things done right so having a really solid hobby policy went a long way yeah I'm not gonna lie to you we definitely lost some productivity there for a couple months I, I don't know if that was just being at home, if it was just people being stressed out, yeah. if people are trying to teach their kids and engineer something. And I know I did that for a while. That's right. impossible. So if anything, we really had an opening of our eyes of, of what it is to work, what it is to be a parent, what it is to be at home. Yeah. Do I like going play? Like all these different things. It just really opened up our eyes. But right. we, we actually, I, I look back, I'm very thankful for it because um, we did lose some people during that phase, whether it's like, you know what? I want to be a stay-at-home dad. Like I, or I want to, I want to do something different. <laughs> right. It really opened people's eyes. But then yeah. people that have stuck around, which a lot of our staff did, so I'm very thankful for that. Is they're in. Yeah. It's like they had went through a tough time, and we supported them, and they supported us, and now we're here. That's a really good sign. Like if we got through that, uh, the next 20 years, uh, I'm not saying it's going to be free of, of challenges. There, <laughs> right. There's always right. a big thing every 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 decade or so. But yeah. I'm very very very, very thankful. Yeah. Definitely advantages of yeah. both being uh, remote and working yeah. in an office. I, there's no doubt about that. I think, uh, you know, the, the great thing about, you know, nothing great about, uh, you know, the COVID, but it did push us into remote uh, more technology, yeah. you know, especially yeah. government, right? Mm-hmm. Using video to communicate, you know, mm-hmm. that was uh, one of the things I've seen uh, that really pushed the government from their archaic paper processes to now we're going to more digital, visual, you know, communication and stuff like that. So that was uh, one of the great things I've uh, experienced out of COVID. And I had to be a stay-at-home dad too, which was... Wasn't that fun? Wow. Let's not do that again. We know. I don't know, man. School. Thank God school's back in... uh, Yeah, it's anyway. Yeah, well said. Sean, you've been progressing up through uh, Baxter and Woodman what are your next, what's the next five, 10 years look like for you? Uh, so that's fun. Yeah. Now that I'm new on the board of directors, um, I now have 360 people to make sure that they're engaged that's and it. empowered. And, and we're trying to be 500 in the next couple of years. So we're, we're um, like, that was one of the bigger topics we've seen in the industry, whether it's on the engineering side is consolidation. So a lot yeah. of, a lot of M&As, a lot of baby boomers are retiring. They're 30 person firm. They didn't succession plan. So we're, we're, we're doing a lot of M&A. There, but also like water systems. It's like small water system, small water system doing like more revitalization. That's right, a big right, right. thing. Yeah. So we're seeing more and more of that out there. So me, it's all kind of big picture, big planning things. I don't really design water mains anymore. I'm, I'm there to help support. Right. But my whole thing is just making sure that my 60 engineers and my group are good. <laughs> nice. My my 40 people, Mokina, are good, and then us as as a firm, we're all growing. So awesome. it's 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 officially zero percent about me. It's all about just confirming and helping and thanking. A lot of thank yous. We were just talking about this earlier today. Just, just, yeah. just really people like doing a lot of hard work. So it's all about just if, if I can get ten people to grow and them do their own things, that's more yeah. important than me doing my one big thing. So it's just supporting those those folks, and supporting our clients too, um, awesome. and we'll we'll be good. That's great. Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for your thank time, you. Sean. It's it's been a Great conversation as usual. Almost yeah. sounds like you might want to stay home, stay at home, dad, a little bit with all the people you're managing. But yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I get it. I love it here. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. No, it's, it's a cool thing. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, Sean. This has been a great uh, interview, and yeah. uh, look forward to the next conversation we have in the future. I appreciate it. Man. Thanks so much, Joe. Right. Yeah. Thanks. See you later. Yeah. Have a good one. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. We hope that this show brought you some insight on relevant topics within the infrastructure world. Please join us every two weeks on Tuesday for the next episode. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, please set up a 15-minute interview with your host at calendly.com slash chadsmeltzer. 